everyone and welcome to A Story of Light, a live stream musical journey in 19 days. Today is day seven. We're flying along here. And if this is the, your, your first time watching, uh, thanks for tuning in. You're very welcome. My name is Luke Slot. I'm a, mu a musician in Dublin and I mainly focus on setting to music the Baha'i sacred writings. And from the 1st to the 19th of March this year, I'm doing this series of... Uh, uh, live streams, of daily live streams, in preparation for the release of my new album, Home of Light, which is coming out later this year, and which is a, a collection of, of new songs based on the writings of Abdul Baha. And if you're not familiar with Abdul Baha, he was the son of Baha'u'llah, the founder of the Baha'i faith, and he's, he's deeply cherished as a role model to Baha'is and friends around the world, and 2021 marks the centenary of his passing, hence the new album this year in his honour. So uh, feel free to, to check out the previous episodes if you want to catch up on the story. Uh, all the live streams are being posted to YouTube so you can watch them in, in your own time and they're all linked in the description below this video. Um, so uh, uh, today is the seventh day of the annual Baha'i Fast, a very special time of year, and this is episode seven of A Story of Light. So, so yesterday we looked at... at uh, at Baha'u'llah's first year of exile in Baghdad uh, and, and how these two kind of opposing forces had come into play. On the one hand, Baha'u'llah was, uh, having regained his physical strength, he was making these, uh, he was making efforts to, to revivify, he had set out to revivify uh, his fellow Babis and get them back on track with what the Bab had taught them. But at the same time, there was this destructive force that was pitting itself against him in the form of his own brother, Mirza Yahya, uh, who had become consumed with envy for the respect that Baha'u'llah was receiving, not only from his fellow Babis, but from the people of Baghdad in general. And Mirza Yahya had launched a campaign to destroy his brother's reputation. And circumstances uh, were, were becoming more and more fraught and uh, tensions were getting higher and higher. And one day, Baha'u'llah had simply vanished without a trace. And at this time, Abdu'l-Baha was about 10 years old. And as heartbroken as he was to, to wake up that morning and, and find that his father was gone, he he trusted his father so much that he knew that there must be some kind of wisdom in Baha'u'llah's disappearance, and he trusted that when the time was right, his father would come home. But the days passed, and the weeks turned into months, with no sign of Baha'u'llah coming home. And for two whole years, nothing was known of Baha'u'llah's whereabouts, until one day, Abdu'l-Baha overheard some people in the street talking about a mysterious sage who was living in the mountains far to the north in the region of Kurdistan and who was magnetizing that region in an atmosphere of love and wisdom. And when Abdu'l-Bahá heard this, he knew that that mysterious sage was his father. And the, the, the wisdom in Baha'u'llah's disappearance is actually explained in his own writings. And so uh, uh, Baha'u'llah had left Baghdad uh, 
so that his brother could no longer use him as a tool to destroy the Bobby community. He decided that what was necessary was for him to simply step away and let the, the envy that was, that was so consuming his brother just die down like the fading embers of a fire with no more fuel to burn. And so, Antimo, could you put the, the first slide up, please? So, Baha'u'llah himself wrote this. The one object of our retirement was to avoid becoming a subject of discord among the faithful, a source of disturbance unto our companions, the means of injury to any soul, or the cause of sorrow to any heart. We betook ourselves to the wilderness, and there, separated and alone, led for two years a life of complete solitude. The birds of the air were my companions, and the beasts of the field my associates. Alone, we communed with our spirit, oblivious of the world and all that is therein. And so Baha'u'llah lived alone, wandering the remote mountains of Kurdistan and only occasionally coming down to the local town of Suleymaniya to pick up some rice and milk for his sustenance. And one day, as Baha'u'llah was passing through Suleymaniya, he saw a little boy sitting on the side of the road crying. And when he asked the boy why he was so sad, the boy burst into tears and, and he said that his teacher had punished him for his bad handwriting and he was afraid to go back to school because he couldn't write. And Baha'u'llah, who was, who was dressed in the simple garb of, a, of a, a poor dervish, sat down beside the boy and he said, I will teach you how to write. And he took the boy's pen and he started to write out the homework, showing the boy how to trace over the lines and copy out the letters. And the boy's eyes lit up and he jumped to his feet full of confidence now. And he thanked Baha'u'llah and he ran back to his school and delivered his homework to his teacher. But what the teacher saw when he looked at that homework was the most exquisite calligraphy that he had ever seen. And when he asked the boy who wrote this, the little boy said to him, the wandering dervish in the mountains. And the teacher replied, he is no dervish, the writer of this, but a royal personage. And so within a few days, the whole town of Suleymaniyah was charged with curiosity about this, this wandering mountain dervish who possessed the penmanship of a prince. And the people of the town set out to the mountains, determined to find him. And when they found him, they were astonished. This, uh, this poor mountain dervish, who slept alone in a cave and lived on a few grains of rice per day, was possessed of a, of a wisdom that surpassed even the greatest leaders of their people. And they begged him to come back down to their town and visit with them. And the people of Suleymaniyah had never met anyone like him. He was described as, a, as an unusual combination of meekness and majesty, of, of humility and kingliness. It's almost kind of difficult to imagine. And they simply referred to him as the nameless one. And years later, Abdu'l-Bahá actually wrote a description of his father's sojourn 
in, in Kurdistan. So, Antimo, if you could put up the next slide there. Abdu'l-Bahá wrote, In a short time, Kurdistan was magnetized with his love. During this period, Baha'u'llah lived in poverty. His garments were those of the poor and needy. His food was that of the indigent and, and lowly. An atmosphere of majesty haloed him as the sun at midday. Everywhere he was greatly revered and loved. And so when the news of this nameless mountain sage finally reached the ears of a, of a now 12-year-old Abdu'l-Bahá, he immediately uh, arranged for a family friend to go to Suleymaniyya and bring his father home. And that family friend, whose name was Sheikh Sultan, uh, has left a, a description of the state in which he found the people of Suleymaniyya. So, uh, Antimo, can you put up the next slide, please? Um, he says, I found all those who lived with him in that place, from their master down to the humblest neophyte, so enamoured of and carried away by their love for Baha'u'llah, and so unprepared to contemplate the possibility of his departure, that I felt certain that were I to inform them of the purpose of my visit, they would not have hesitated to put an end to my life. So, Sheikh Sultan summoned up the courage to state the purpose of his mission, and Baha'u'llah told the people that the time had come for him to go home. And so on March 19th, 1856, just in time to celebrate Nowruz with his family, Baha'u'llah returned to Baghdad. And his daughter, Bahia Khanum, uh, describes the moment that he showed up at their door. So, next slide, please, Antimo. She says, Our joy cannot be described as we clung to him. I can see now my beloved mother, calm and gentle, and my brother holding his father's hand fast, as though never again could he let him go out of his sight, the lovely boy almost enfolded in the uncouth garment of the dervish disguise. I could never forget this scene, so touching and so happy. So for, for today's song, I'd like to sing for you a, a prayer written by Baha'u'llah on the subject of healing, uh, because I think that this, this two-year period of his retirement to the wilderness was essentially a period of healing. So uh, if you're fasting today, I, I wish you a very good fast, and um, I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day eight of A Story of Light. This song is called Healing. Thy name is my healing, O my God, and remembrance 
of these my remedy nearness to thee is my home And love for thee is my companion. Thy mercy to me is my healing. And my succor in both this world and the world to come. Thou verily art the all-bountiful the all-knowing, the all-wise, thou verily art the all-bountiful, the all-knowing, the all-wise, thou verily art the all-bountiful. The all-knowing, the all-wise, thou verily art the all-bountiful, the all-knowing, the all-wise, thy Is my healing, oh my God, and remembrance of thee is my rest.